Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Behind the Numbers, the very latest polling data every Monday on Inside Sources, March to the Midterms. Eight days away as we march to the midterm. Over 22 million votes have already been cast. Some have been predicting the big red wave or even a potential red tsunami. Democrats are trying to construct some blue walls around some key districts and Senate races and helping us break all of this down behind the numbers, beyond the headlines. Zoe Young, vice president with Sean Cooperman Research. Uh, Zoe, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. All right. So so as we look at the numbers, let's start at kind of the the broad base. So what are you seeing? What's the movement over the last week? Knowing we've got 22 million votes already cast, uh, what are things looking like as we come down the home stretch? Yeah. So what I would say is that the latest polling is really favorable uh, for Republicans. And I think there are three trends that are worth noting. Uh, First, Republicans lead in the generic ballot. Um, Their average lead, according to Real Clear Politics, of all recent polls has grown by about two and a half points in just under three weeks uh, from roughly half a point on October 12th to three points today. And individual polls with likely voters, which are most predictive of the actual election results, rather than polls of adults or registered voters, um, show an even stronger Republican advantage of about five points, which is pretty significant. Um, Second, um, in the Senate, uh, polling in competitive races shows that even extreme Republican candidates are gaining against Democratic incumbents, which kind of is indicative of how the overall national political landscape has really shifted to benefit Republicans. Two big examples of this are in Georgia, uh, where you have Herschel Walker, and then in Arizona with Blake Masters. Third, and perhaps most um, strikingly, is that Democrats are polling worse than expected in some deep blue areas, like in New York, uh, in Oregon, in the governor's races there, and in Rhode Island, um, in some of those House races. So, to me, taken together, the trends do suggest that Republicans could well end up gaining around you know, 25 House seats um, and could come away with a one or two seat advantage in the Senate, which, of course, would mean that they end up controlling Congress. Yeah, fascinating stuff. So I want to dig into a, a few of these things. One of the things you mentioned right off the top there, Zoe, th- that we have been looking at, and that is uh, you mentioned likely voters uh, and that that is the most predictive uh, of actual results. What does that actually suggest uh, in terms of trends, in terms of Who's actually going to show up? Who's actually casting these ballots right now and how things turn out uh, on election night? Well, what I would say is that um, polls of 
the fact that Republicans are um, really have a significant advantage in polls of likely voters suggests that um, they're actually probably going to outperform uh, their current generic ballot expectations on Election Day. And it also suggests that Republicans are going to enjoy a turnout advantage, which, you know, I think Democrats thought they might be able to overcome earlier in the summer um, with the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision and the energy around the abortion issue. However, um, Republicans, um, the fact that Republicans do lead with likely voters um, kind of shows us that um, Democrats probably won't be able to overcome the enthusiasm on the Republican side. Yeah, give us a little sense. Uh, you mentioned both the Georgia race. Everyone seems to be have been following that one quite closely. The Arizona race, obviously, it's close to us out here in Utah. Uh, and that's one that has uh, definitely tightened uh, over the last little bit. Uh, what are you seeing in, in that particular race? Is there something specific that seems to be uh, shifting the momentum there? Um, well, what I do, what we do see is that um, Mark Kelly leads by just about two or two and a half points, which is pretty um, you know, pretty significant, um, given that he was leading by, you know, seven, eight points earlier this summer. Um, and I think in Arizona, as with all other races, the economy is a major issue. Um, crime is a major issue. And um, Republican advertising is really focused on that. Um, also immigration. Um, so I think those are the core issues in Arizona, but also, you know, nationally as well. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and break down a little bit of those... uh that you referenced in terms of those deep blue strongholds, the New York, Rhode Island, Oregon issues. Uh, what's driving those? Are they unique to those uh, locations? Is it part of a national trend in terms of economy and inflation? Uh, what are you seeing there? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, taking the New York governor's race, for example, um, New York is obviously a very blue state. Um, and the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, is now in a much closer than expected race uh, with Republican Lee Zeldin. And um, what's really driving this is, you know, Zeldin's campaign has been hammering home on inflation and cost of living and crime. And Hochul was kind of focused mainly on, um, you know, attacking Zeldin for his ties to Donald Trump and for his anti-abortion positions. But in the last few weeks of the campaign, what you've seen is her is her campaign kind of shifting to talk more about uh, the cost of living and what she's done to try to enhance public safety. And, you know, she's appeared with Adams and all this. So. Um, I think that, you know, is indicative of both a trend that exists within New York, but also broader national trend. Yeah. And then finally, it's, uh, you're looking at these uh, last eight days. Uh, what do you anticipate uh, coming down the home stretch? Are, are there there's always that ebb and flow, as, as you mentioned, the, the Democrats sort of had the, the tailwinds in the summer with the Dobbs decision. Uh, and that seemed to, to peter out as we got past Labor Day and, and some of those uh, economic realities settled in. Is there anything else that we're not talking about that is likely to emerge in the closing days of the campaign? Uh, well, what I would say is something that will be very interesting to watch is how women vote this year. You know, some data has suggested that um, the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision has, is energizing them to turn out to support Democrats. But more recent data is showing that there's been a drop off in female support for Democrats due to these concerns we talked about, about crime and inflation. And, you know, Democrats have really built their entire campaign around reaching female voters with the abortion issue. So it'll be really interesting to see how women vote. 
first and then ultimately, um, you know, if they turn out to support Democrats and especially young women. Yeah, so important. Zoe Young's vice president of Schoen Cooperman Research. Uh, we always look to them to get past just the clickbaity headlines of numbers and polls and actually get into the reality of what they are, what they mean and what they're they're likely to predict moving forward. Zoe, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, Zoe really hit some some crucial components there. Uh, and just to kind of reframe some of those uh, crucial pieces, it, it is pretty obvious across the country uh, that Republicans do have the momentum at this stage of the game. Uh, and they are people are predicting everything from a red wave to even a red tsunami. Uh, and uh, some are saying, well, the, the blue wall may may hold. That's always uh, the big test for the party in power is can you hold it? Uh, and. Of late, that's been difficult for both Democrats and Republicans to do when when they're in the majority uh, and when they occupy the White House, they tend to to lose that majority. And the American people seem to continue to vote for divided government, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing, by the way. Uh, It can actually put the the brakes on uh, some of the extremes or the big swings from the left or to the right. Uh, And so that's uh, not necessarily a bad thing that we should be looking at. Uh, I thought it was very interesting that Zoe uh, pointed out this whole idea of of likely voters. And that is something to watch as polls come out over the closing days of campaigns. Uh, Zoe put it this way, that that likely voter polls uh, and these are real likely voter polls. So when you hear likely voter, if it's a if it's a true poll, it is a likely voter based on performance that you've actually voted in a recent election uh, or a series of elections. And that is the most predictive of actual election results, uh, according uh, to our friends at at Sean Cooperman. And if you look at those numbers versus just registered voters or all adults, uh, you know, those kind of samples uh, are showing that uh, Republicans really are in a strong position uh, rolling into Election Day. Uh, so the interesting thing will be the trends, how that continues to play out. Uh, the important thing and the real really the only number that matters at the end is first, did you vote? That's your job. That's your duty. So do that because the polls shouldn't affect whether you decide to vote or not. Uh, and then, of course, the actual numbers that come in on election night and beyond. Uh, that's the, the real key there to who actually is going to be in control and what comes next for President Biden uh, for his next two years in office. Uh, control of the House and the Senate will be up for grabs as well. We'll see a host of things here at the local level. We'll break those down as we move a little closer uh, towards these final days of the election 2022. We'll step aside for a quick commercial break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to continue our conversation. We're going to look at President Biden staying home a little bit. Who's rallying the base? Who's out there for the big rallies? We'll talk about that coming up next. Stick around. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. 
now available anywhere you get your podcasts.